think you've got an ed- like it's a different thing as well it's not like everyone's obviously got a little thing different with their podcast but yours is going to be different to so many other fitness ones for like the educational content too yeah yeah and like I just think it's cool to like if for example meet you in person mm. and and um you know have a little bit more because like when we're on like conversation like mentoring like mm. over zoom or whatever like it's like straight into like learning yeah. and like me just like going off and like going on <laughs> and talking about stuff but um nah like this is awesome like chance to get to know you a bit better yeah yeah your, no it's cool and your background so like how did you um first like decide you wanted to get into physio um I first actually started when I was 17 um I played kind of netball at a rep level and decided that I was going to injure my knee um it's always (laughs) yeah physios are just like I was playing sport and I got injured and I wanted to know how to fix myself and then I wanted to fix other people well I literally I had no idea what I wanted to do I was actually really into writing um and had actually all my teachers and everything thought that I'd head in like journalism or some form of direction there but I think I got out and had my reconstruction on my knee and then was introduced kind of the physio side of things and I was like oh well and at the time the author had said to me I'd never be able to run again or play sport again so this was like back when it was yeah very much like you did a pretty bad job if you want a healthy knee you can never do any of that stuff again so it's like a little 17 year old I was like what was it was it ACL so I did ACL MCL and meniscus really um the three yeah yeah the three (laughs) but it was um yeah like looking back now it was kind of false all the stuff that I've been told but right like then at the time it was very much like you can't do this you can't do this like I remember getting out of that appointment and just bawling my eyes out yeah and like both of my fam like my parents were both in physio and nursing so very like tough love like you're right move on type thing so um when and sort of how the physio stuff was done I was like oh this is cool like it'd be nice to kind of help people cope with especially like younger girls coping with these types of injuries because they're becoming so much more prevalent. Um, So that's how I kind of started. And then, again, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I did sports science for a year because physio is quite difficult to get into. That's exactly how I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Science and sports science first and then into physio after because you didn't know what you wanted to do and that was like the next step. Yeah, literally it was kind of like, oh, I'll see if I enjoy this side of things and then went into physio and then – obviously finished physio um and now just trying to figure out which direction to kind of take career which is cool and exciting yeah Yeah. and you've done a little bit of um like bikini competitions Mm. as well haven't you yeah so um that kind of came about because I did money again so (laughs) the classic went and thought I could do too much and went back and played sport and back to netball no back to touch okay um so then I I did like a lot of um, CrossFit style training and retore my meniscus. So had that operation and then uh, kind of two years later, the graft failed for my first ACL recon. So then I went back in and had another operation and um, that was the surgeon pulled me aside then as well and said, look, this is a knee for life. You can't keep doing this. Yeah. So I was like, all right, fair enough. And um, I'm a competitive person. So it was like, well, if I can't do sport, I love my training crossfit wasn't really for me because I kept injuring myself so mm-hmm. I was like well I like the gym this kind of bikini comp seems cool yeah so um that's how I got into that 
and then competed last year, which was an amazing experience. Um, and yeah, now just trying to figure out when to do my next one, trying to fit around work hours and yeah. Yeah, so going back to your um, your surgery, did they do an, a hamstring graft? Yeah, so yeah. I had the hamstring taken from my right for the first one and from my left for the second one. Right, so one from each. And, and how did like, how was rehab when you were like back then when you first did it and then compare it to like a few years later mm. when you retore it? Like had the rehab changed at all? Had it progressed? Because like you said from the first time it was sort of a little bit, um, you know, like you can't do anything mm. on this knee ever again. Very scary, like especially as a 17-year-old. Mm. Like was there like some fear around um, – you know, like the rehab and like getting back into sport versus like the second time you did it, you were a bit more confident that you were able to get back and then compete in that bikini comp? Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. Like they have a um, – when I first did it, um, it's all a bit of a blur to be honest And in saying that I didn't actually finish my rehab for the first time, which I was – 17 I kind of was like oh my knee feels relatively yeah, normal which now fine. as a physio you can see that that point's the drop-off point for so many for clients like it's that point where they feel okay kind of you're getting kind of five months five six months into the rehab and then um you kind of yeah everything feels relatively normal um and you just drop off and you don't finish the rehab after that which was a recipe for yeah. disaster obviously because then I went and retore it again but the the rehab was definitely a lot slower. Um, I think it didn't have as much dynamic um, sort of multiplane task. It was very much straightforward, um, using a little bit of balance in there compared to when I went back the next time. The focus was very much on um, getting your body used to the shock absorption, getting used to the running, getting used to the change of direction, multiplane type movements, which I think is really important. Yeah. Um, the the rehab that I did the last time, um, my graft failed again towards the end of that one. So now I've kind of got this ACL that's slightly deficient, yeah. <laughs> um, which I did notice. To be honest, I noticed more when I stopped my strength training. So if I back off and have a couple of months off doing proper strength training, my knee will start to feel it. Like I'll start getting a bit sore and yeah. having little bits of instability. But if I keep on top of the strength training, uh, my knee feels, I don't even notice it, which is why I think doing the bikini comp was one of the best things I could have done for it because I was constantly strengthening it, constantly um, getting all the muscles around it strong, working on the hamstrings, which yeah. um, were pretty pathetic to start with. Yeah, I think hamstring strengthening is something that's overlooked, I guess, mm. in a lot of rehab as well because, you know, you have you have this functional system like that attaches like your knees your knees basically are structure but you have these like these muscles that function to stabilize your knee as well and you you know a lot of people forget that like the hamstring is a very important knee mm. stabilizer as well and then you're taking a graft from the hamstring yeah to put in a new acl to you know increase the structure there but you're taking away from the function of the knee there mm. so that's just another component that I think it's it's funny like surgery is a funny thing like 
the surgeons will tell you sort of one thing yeah. because, you know, and we know now, like we know better, the, like we're not dissing surgery or any, anything because, you know, the, like it's, um, you know, super important and, you know, can change people's lives in some things. But um, when you're sort of looking back at like, you know, the way that the research has gone now, it's like we know that you can get away without an ACL perfectly mm. fine if you keep on top of your strengthening, if you keep on top of your, you know, quad strength, glute strength, hamstring strength, you've got that functional system there mm. to help stabilise your knee. Um, and I think it's great to have something that you were training for as well and something that's, you know, you're safe in the gym, like you're relatively safe. You're not, um, there's no outside variables. There's no like people coming at you from like, if you're playing um, touch or netball mm. or anything like that, um, you know, you're safe to do that and you can you can strengthen the knee up great and were there any sort of injuries that you like the knee started to feel better when you started to do that strength training were there any other things that sort of any other injuries that presented itself from doing a bikini competition yeah so I and again this is down to me not necessarily I think finishing the rehab from the start because the the reason a lot of people have told me that I did all the injuries in the first place is because of I'm quite hypermobile, so a lot of my joints move mm-hmm. more so than the average Joe blog off the yeah. street. Yeah. But I was never taught or even told to kind of strengthen through the different ranges. So my foundation of strength is very much middle range, which a lot of people's is. But the problem is then when I stress myself outside of those kind of um, middle regions to the outside or in a range it gets to the point where I break down somewhere whether it's my pelvis or my back or my shoulder or my knee yeah to be honest towards the end of comp I don't remember a bit of my body that wasn't hurting yeah. which is not it's it's one of those things that you're in a calorie deficit you're tired like I was working ridiculous hours as we do as physios yeah um and yeah, it was the last month of it. I remember the last week, so leading up to comp, you, the adrenaline's high. You're like, I, I'm just going to get through, get through. And then the week after comp, it was literally like a switch had been flicked and I, I felt like I couldn't walk. Like my shin, I went for like a little jog and my yeah. shins flared up, my um, my hip flared up, my pelvis flared up, my lower back flared up. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah. So I just kind of took a deload week and just let myself try and settle back down and then try and get back into the gym after that. And then I just kept breaking down somewhere. And it got to the stage where sitting down, like I couldn't sit down properly. So that's for the past kind of six months, it's been up and down where I couldn't sit down for more than 10 minutes without having kind of this back pain that radiated down into my glute and down the back of my hamstring Mm -hmm. um and it was one of those ones like trying to be the clinician but also trying to push past the competitive nature so like yeah like in your head if a client had come and told me what I had done I would have been like you're a you're an idiot yeah we are the worst yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I kind of got to the point um and like I've told you before, I've got a, I had a history of endometriosis and things like that. So um, pelvic floor problems come up. Um, so it's kind of trying to find the happy medium between not overloading the back and the pelvic floor because they're so interrelated and the women's health um, side of things, I'm really glad it's picking up a bit of momentum because this is like a lot of stuff girls don't talk about, um, especially when you start at such a young age and you kind of go through these type of things and push your body and then you get to the stage where you can't sit down for a couple of weeks and it's a bit of a wake-up call as well to be like okay hey there's some stuff here that I need to 
start from scratch and build back up. So that's kind of what I've been doing for the last oh, six months is really starting from scratch, building up my lifting again. Um, like I only started deadlifting and squatting with a barbell two weeks ago, mm-hmm. which was amazing yeah. <laughs> but probably pushed a little bit too hard but <laughs> learning to sort of get to know your body and the other side of things as well I find the good thing is when you kind of go through these different types of injuries when you have clientele that come in you realize like the mental side of things that goes on behind injuries which I think is a point for a lot of physicians that because you, you kind of become desensitized to things because you see back pain every day you see neck pain every day you see trauma every day so mm-hmm. When you go through it yourself, I think you can understand a little bit more and you can empathize with the clients a bit more to be like, hey, like I know how hard this is, but we'll get you through it. And I think a lot of clients respond so much more to that than just giving them exercises. Um, Exercise is what's going to fix them, but you could have two different clinicians, one of them who kind of shows the empathy and the rapport and the other one that's very flatline, do this, do this. And nine times out of 10, they're going to get better with the one that shows the empathy and the rapport. Yeah. So that's one thing that I kind of see as a silver lining to the whole situation. I think it's made me a better clinician because I can really work with the clients to get them to where they want to be versus um, just kind of switch off and go into autopilot. Yeah. I love I love that you said that because like I'm so big on just evidence-based practice. So like taking consi- into consideration like the research, you know, your personal experience mm. and also like the client values and and having that experience is amazing like having gone through that like if you like I know you said earlier like off um the podcast you're super interested in getting into you know treating more bodybuilders and crossfitters mm. and um I think these days as well like there's definitely like the gap is bridging like mm. like you said you know it used to be very like go see a physio but you know physios get a bad rap sometimes because it's like remedial exercises mm. and like you know like you said when you went through your first um like round of rehab you dropped off after five months mm. because you thought everything was fine and you know you thought you would probably like above what the physio was giving you mm. in that setting and it was and it, it just gets boring so there needs to be some sort of you know bridging of the gap between like the remedial stuff at early rehab which is super important but then more into that training um that training mm. phase and that training environment which you know coaches are really good at as well but you know like you have both sides on the coaches as well you have you know coaches who are really know- knowledgeable and who are really great at helping um their clients like not only minimize pain i think coaches have a great um opportunity these days especially because people are coming to them first Mm. they're coming they're going to a coach first before they come to us so you know coaches who have educated themselves on anatomy physiology and um you know programming especially um it's sort of like we can talk to one another like we don't need to be like oh the coach hurt me oh the physio is like giving me boring exercises like we can work together and be able to you know bridge that gap between physician and coach Mm. um and sort of work together as you know a multidisciplinary team which is going to help you know give the best outcome for Mm. the client as well um which is super important and going back to your bodybuilding like I think like 
a value a valuable thing to take away from that as well is you know when you mentioned it before training mid-range a lot of the time Mm. like you mentioned it and it's great that you have that awareness of your body as well um bodybuilders you know you said you were building up your deadlift which is awesome again because you know when you're isolating muscles all the time and not Mm. integrating them into functional exercises like it can go either way you know like you can you can break down from too much isolation you need to be dosing in more um more of those functional exercises Mm. as well and not just training like body parts training movements as well um because you know you sit on a machine you you sit on a hack squat or for example like you sit on a hack squat or a leg press you're not using your core for those like Mm. yeah like it's a great machine to build your glutes and build your quads um but not so great for that core stability either so you know you know having a few squats or um something else that's gonna you know take your like your torso off being so externally stabilized and working a little bit of more th- more of that stability into mm. the training program super important um so now that um you're sort of on your way you're building your way back up into it have you have you set yourself like a program or like are you programming for yourself or are you getting someone else to help you with your programming and do you have like do you feel like you have a, a better understanding of of programming now and and um you know for you yourself but also for your clients like mm. how do you sort of look at it now yeah that's so it's I'm almost using myself as a bit of a test like test dummy at the moment um it's like you said I really want to get into working bodybuilders crossfitters powerlifters amaze me with their dedication sometimes they push themselves a little bit too much yeah. but um it's almost just that a-type personality you've got you need the stimulus you need to be able to feel like you're training and I think that's where rehab needs to go as well even in the early stages I've definitely changed to almost giving my clients like a little program rather than two or three exercises that again like a very remedial or mixing it in with something that makes them a little bit more excited or giving them goals or working with them because I know from experience the physios um, that I've seen in the past or um, even when you come and see your doctors or your specialists and nothing against them I think a lot of the time they a lot of them are used to working um, with people who don't have these super sometimes unrealistic goals yeah (laughs) but um, I think it's really important to find clinicians for like nobody's going to stop bodybuilding or crossfitting or powerlifting so clinicians need to be able to understand that but also work with the client to get them towards their goal not just say like I was told stop lifting altogether you can't do this you can't do this like you get sick of people saying like you can't you can't you can't Mm. um and it gets to stage of saying that's fine but like what what can I do like help me build a basis help me find a program to build myself back up so yeah I think I'm trying to be a bit of a test dummy almost for myself at the moment to see okay well what can I do in this arena what do I need to work on to stabilize so like you said before if I know my stability through my pelvis um isn't the best and it's been something that I've been working on for the past six months and it's getting there and it makes it's really cool for like the nerdy side as well when, (laughs) when we got to the comp because like I was I was very lean like I was probably if anything a little bit too lean um but my glutes were just super undeveloped compared to everybody else. And I think that's what let me down in the call outs when they were comparing everything. Obviously for bikini, it's all about glutes. So yeah. um, it was super interesting then to realize, well, hey, when I look back, um, 
I'd never feel my glutes or my hammies. I'd always feel my back or my or my calves, which yeah. is just because my body's trying to find some form of stability because I'm just not strong enough for what I was doing. Um, which again, it's not the the coaches are absolutely phenomenal at what they do, and it would be really cool to find a way for someone like myself or somebody else who's a physio, osteo, whatever it needs to be, to kind of come and be like, look. Um, here's an assessment of that particular client. Um, here's their kind of pre-screening that I've done. This is where they might fall apart and this can kind of lead to these different things. So let's just supplement in their warm-up these two exercises or let's add this one exercise into the superset so that they're getting um, some stability mixed in with their um, sort of isolation exercises, yeah. um, which is, I think is really important. I think that's the direction that physios need to be heading in rather than feeling like we just need to do everything because we can't yeah it's how do we help and how do we get the best for the client to get towards that particular goal yeah yeah I love that so much and um yeah like you said before you know those there is a place for those remedial exercises you know like all Mm. your core stability hip stability things like that you know if you're not feeling the exercise in the glutes I mean like there is sort of like a, a thing with the nervous system where it's like, you know, people want the booty burn and like they want to feel yeah. it working and like it's not necessarily always like about the sensation. Um, but, you know, working in that stability work is not just to prevent or minimize risk of injury. It's also to like if you want big glutes, you need to stabilize mm. the, um, you know, the hips so that and the pelvis so that you know the glutes can actually work like so they can move on a stable surface Mm. and to create the most like basically just create the most amount of tension in that muscle to help them grow Mm. um yeah and it's super interesting you know the things that we see you know I have a dodgy shoulder or um, oh, like the shoulder on this side is not as big as the other side or there's a discrepancy with tone, um, you know, in your lats, for example, like mm. lats is a big one um, or you can even look at erectors and you can look at someone's body and you can say, okay, well, like I see that maybe, you know, this lat isn't the same size as this lat. Do you have a shoulder issue on this problem? Mm. Same as like looking at you know for example back issues and it's like okay well like do you have if you have a say for example like an sij issue on the left side and you know do you have a right shoulder problem it's like yeah like how did you know it's like well you know those slings that are Mm. there that cross the body and um that like posterior oblique sling into the glutes and they all sort of connect inwards and it's yeah it's looking at that like that functional movement and how the body moves rather than just like isolating those muscles as well Mm. yeah so um what's the plan going forward have you any idea (laughs) yeah I I kind of want to do everything which is not possible um I'm working at a really cool place at the moment um at start in Brizzy which they uh, work with a lot of those type of athletes and building the foundations and working with the coaches so it's been a really cool experience to kind of get to know the process of programming and moving forward from there I'd love to start taking something online um eventually uh whether it's I still think I want to do a couple of days worth of in-clinic in-person work but um launching a kind of online business um helping with education um like I love 
educating people. I love talking. Um, my clients will tell you I talk their ears off sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So it's um, one of those things that I'd love to eventually get into education and help clinicians, very similar to what you're doing, which is why I reached out in the first place, um, help people kind of bridge that gap from from when you're at uni and you're taught diagnostics but you're not taught the exercise prescription and then you leave and you're kind of floundering about being like, well, I know the end goal, I know where I need to get this client and I, I know what the problem is but how do I get from the problem to the end goal? So um, I think learning how to, for myself, first simplify it, take myself through that, use it on clients, get clients better and then eventually if there's like patterns emerging then start to help teach other people those kind of patterns yeah for sure because I found like I got into this because I found that you know I was basically saying the same thing to my clients like Mm. it was like the same like you have the same sort of spiel about you know this is why this is happening and this 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 and this and it's just like you know working one-to-one and then getting into education and and online you can reach so many more people Mm. um just saying the one thing and then it just creates like an explosion sort of thing it just like it reaches one person like you you tell one person and then they go and tell a couple of people and then it just mm. branches off branches off and you can just help so many more people and I think you know with everything that has happened lately 2020 <laughs> uh, what are we July <laughs> just lockdown is just coming up um like a lot of people are sort of realizing that you know, they can have physio online. Like I, before any of this, I think maybe two, three years ago, I started to have the idea of um, doing like, yeah, like telehealth, which is, it's now a thing, like telehealth, Mm. doing online virtual consultations. And I didn't know anyone that was doing it Mm. at the time. Um, I knew like I had this app, um, that I would use in clinic and I was like why can't I use this app to you know give people exercises at home and like reach people who might not be able to get to a physio and have people that um, sort of be more accessible to more people like mm. not just in Australia but around the world as well and I think it's you know it's super valuable education because people can take that for the rest of their lives like mm. I so much prefer it to say, you know, just say, do this because I said so. Like, do this because I said so. Because, you know, no one's going to stay with you forever. You're not going to have one client forever. And you, as a physio, you don't want no, <laughs> You don't want clients forever. It's not a very good business model. Like, you know, it's a great business model to keep them with you and, and sort of, you know, not help them. Mm. Like get them keep them reliant on you but you know what like if you if you do a good job with them and you get them better in say three months six months whatever it is they'll go and tell someone else Mm. and they'll refer to you and it's it's about the long game it's about like and in the end like you're going to be able to help so many more people um and you're going to have a good reputation as well rather than just sort of you know clasping onto clients and not giving them that education and you know upskilling yourself Mm. is super important as well like always you know keep learning new things keep coming out um new research keeps (laughs) coming out like I know so my dad suffers from um chronic back pain and so he 
back then when he did his disc, it was surgery and bed rest. Yeah. Now we know that like surgery and bed rest like aren't necessarily the best treatments or probably the worst treatments yeah. to do now, like unless like completely necessary for surgery. But it's it's constantly changing and I think we need to keep constantly changing along with it. Mm. And I love that um, you – like I love that you came to me and you wanted to educate yourself and you – um, can now go and you know pass that on to mm. other people as well and and you know during lockdown like physios were an essential service like mm. we were allowed to keep operating and because you are keep you are upskilling yourself and you do keep you know constantly studying and constantly learning new things that that keeps you in a, an essential service yeah so coaches weren't during that time but we can you know that could change like coaches can come become an essential service because you know a lot of people don't know how to move correctly and mm. a lot of people you know need that accountability from a coach as well so you know I love um I, yeah I love what you're doing and I love um you know keep doing what you're doing I love where you want to go and um yeah like I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you do and keeping yeah. in touch and <laughs> yeah 100%. and coming back to Brisbane like it, it worked out really well, like the timing and everything. I know, it was it was awesome. And I'd literally just changed my roster around as well. So it worked. Uh, it was like it was meant to be. Yeah, but. awesome. <laughs> um, cool. I'll stop that there. Thanks.